0: you're listening to the Money web now podcast series with Simon Brown live streamed every weekday at 6:30 a.m.
1: Wednesday, 28 February. We've got Willie's results due within the hour. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb Global Headquarters in Johannesburg, South Africa. On the show today, Ogomo Gwenshu. Tribe, South Africa. Motors, results. Man struggling, consumers hurting that. And then Grinrod. Results out next week. We got the trading update yesterday. Uh, Daniel King from uh, Merchant West Investments, valuing property stocks. They trade at discount to net asset value and strong yields but he has some thoughts. Mitch Adams, uh, CEO and founder in and Aeon's Creative Technology. And investing in your student years, why is it mattering? And impact investing at that point. Uh, the show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. SARS targets Sassfin over dealings with alleged gold mafia clients. Banking and Financial Services Group says the 4.87 billion rand damages claims have no merit and will be defended. Business state staying with SARS. Kisweta agrees to a further two years. Stimler's office extended to enable an orderly leadership transition and cement turnaround at the tax authority. money markets. US was green. s and Nasdaq both up 0.2 percent. Over in the east, it is red. Sydney down 0.2. Hong Kong down 0.5%, Tokyo off 0.1 and 10 cent down 1.7%. Commodities they all mixed. Gold 2040, it's a little bit higher, Brent a little higher at 8323, uh, platinum looking better at 893, palladium under pressure 942. Rand 1912, Bitcoin $57,000. Top 40 looking for a red open a 120 points to the down that is 0.
0: 0.2% Money web now on the money also available on podcast.
1: Cheney now with uh, Odwe Mugenshu. He's a tribe of South Africa. Odwe appreciated the early morning. Motus results, I mean, they were a fairly niche little consumer-facing company, of course. Motor vehicles, uh, new and second-hand. They've also got the, 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 the rental business and the like. But, it, it, I mean, profits down almost a quarter. And they really do say this is a consumer under pressure.
2: Mm. Uh, I mean that was very uh, worrying to see and I mean you saw the top line uh, up 11% um, and after then uh, I think what besides just you know uh, looking at uh, the consumer under the pressure they also did take on a lot of debt mm. and that's why you're seeing the, the big decline from revenue to then your uh, bottom line however you also did see a drop in new vehicle sales and also uh, you know in, in uh, rented cars out so I mean I think they just in a, a terrible time with these high interest rate levels we, we currently end and also then just like the consumer they're suffering from having a lot of debt at the moment.
1: Yeah, and that is it. I mean, we, we, I mean, we got Woody's results out later this, this morning, and that's a different type of consumer. But, but, but the South African consumer is under pressure, and any consumer-facing stocks are going to be struggling. We've seen, I mean, even ShopRite is taking a, a volume pressure.
2: Mm. Uh, and it's it's just the times that we're currently in. It's it's just very tough right now. If you are a consumer facing, uh, a business, you 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 have to just manage your margins right now. It is a very tough time. You, you're not going to be getting your usual volumes. Uh, you're not going to be getting. Uh, people are also not looking for your high end products anymore. It's more about. Uh, Looking out for their pocket, so that's the currently the the situation that a lot of our retailers and consumer facing businesses
1: are facing right now. Yeah, I take your point. Looking out for their pocket, I like that. We had the Grinrod trading update results in a week. Now here's a company that did have good results uh, and well, mm. good update. And and I mean, they they're benefiting from a a, a failing state. I mean, most notably uh, uh, Maputo M- 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 port. Mm.
2: Uh, I mean, they they, they you it, it's being at the right place at the right time when it comes to green uh, they, I mean, uh, the, the tr- uh, Transnet failing right now. They are looking at, as you see now with the trade update, EPS up by more than 60%, headline share, uh, earnings up to 20% uh, earnings per share. So, I mean, they are right in the right place at the right time, and they've managed to uh, use this moment. And also they are, you know, starting now to capitalize on it. And it's also great that they've, Also started uh, specializing in 2022 when they got rid of Greenrod Banking and only focusing now on the the logistics side of the business. So with all that concluded, I think that, uh, you know, this particular business right now is definitely in the right place at the right time to capitalize on uh, a failing state or failing infrastructure rather and using that to, to, to build the business.
1: Uh, and, and I know it's stock uh, at nicely at five-year house. Quick last question. Uh, pick and pay. Uh, we, we had the, the the horror update last week. There was a bounce. It has faded again. Is this a stock that, that as a trader you're nibbling at or is this a stock that you're just staying away from? Uh,
2: uh, uh, n- not nibbling too much. However, I do believe not, uh, not to leave it totally uh, uh leave it totally, but I am nibbling here and there, but I'm not too quick in my my nibble. Uh, (laughs) I think that they still do need to prove me prove more points in terms of are they able to turn this around mm-hmm. uh, that they're currently facing? Uh, what is their next plans going forward? Uh, once I get more information on that side, I'll be adding more to my position. However, I was unfortunate. Uh, I did think they were a great company a while back, and I've just been suffering through this uh, moment right now.
1: Yeah, hey, I was uh, buying uh, earlier in the year, and I, I, I got slapped last week as well. I think many of us did. We'll leave it there. <laughs> That's uh, Odwe Mugenshu. Tribe, South Africa, appreciate the early morning.
3: Your money gives a damn. If it could protest and sign petitions, your money would. But your money can do more than that. When you invest in Stanlib's Infrastructure Investment Fund, beyond getting solid returns, you are helping to build a more sustainable future through job creation and positive economic growth. Damn right you are. Invest for more impact at stanlib.com forward slash more. StanLib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider.
0: MoneyWeb now on the money.
1: Certainly now with Daniel King, head of Fixed Income merchant at Merchant West Investments. Daniel, uh, welcome to the show. A a, a presentation that that, that you were doing earlier, and I I caught some of it, talking around REITs, uh, listed property stocks. Discount to net asset value is certainly attractive, uh, in some cases as wide as 30%. Yields looking good, but you make the point, compared to perhaps the sort of risk-free, the bank rates, the bonds, yields are perhaps a little bit so-so.
4: Yeah, exactly. Well, um, the bottom line is when you're buying a REIT, you're not just buying an underlying property. Mm. Um, you're buying four things, actually. You're buying uh, the underlying properties, you're buying management and their ability to allocate your capital. You're buying an underlying portfolio of leases that, that your tenants have signed. And most importantly, probably, you're buying a whole bunch of operating and financial um uh, a leverage within that within that system, the biggest one being the the financial debt that that sits within the REIT. So, you actually have to do quite a bit of work to to get something that's comparable to bond yields in the first place. um And that's that's kind of that was the point of that that segment of the webinar that we did. Um, that this thirty percent discount to NAV has two issues. Um, the first is that it's distorted by by the amount of debt mm-hmm. within the REIT sector, with LTVs around forty percent um and the second thing is that that uh, that the nav itself is is potentially stale um as the kind of so-called independent valuers in in the south african market are quite slow to adjust those cap rates the the, mm. the capitalization rates at which they value the properties to yeah. to bond yields like you say so i mean in just very simple terms as bond yields rise you know the capitalization rate on all assets needs to rise mm-hmm. um to reflect that 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 higher base rate of interest rates, and so we haven't really seen that to any significant extent in the property sector. And once you adjust for this underlying leverage, firstly, and the the fact that cap rates should be increasing for all assets, um, we have found that we're you know the 30% to, uh, discount to to book values in the in the listed REIT sector is more or less appropriate. Um, skewing between appropriate to actually moderately overvalued potentially um, if we account for other things as well within the REIT sector. So, um, you know, we don't uh, think there's much to be excited about there. Um, And if you don't have to have an exposure to listed property in South Africa, um, I don't see a very strong reason to.
1: Yeah, I, I take your point. I mean, thirty percent it, it, mm. sounds attractive, and certainly that's the sort of mm. old school methodology. But you know, valuations mm. are perhaps a, a little bit slow, and and then it's yield. Yeah. And I mean, sure, I can get some nice yields, eight nine percent maybe. I can go and buy a, a government bond and get and get ten percent, which is a much less risky uh, investment for a, a frankly exactly. better return.
4: Yeah yeah so so you know that yield always needs to be viewed in the context of potential growth mm. um so so this is not the mid uh, 2000s to mid teens where your commercial property sector was delivering you know net yeah. property income growth close to double digits sometimes even double digits net property income growth this is a situation now where we're facing an acute surplus of office properties Mm -hmm. um in the south african market um some might say an acute surplus of of large kind of retail properties as well and so what that's going to mean is for some time the the dynamics there are quite deflationary um uh, and so you know huge states of over rentedness um in 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 retail and office properties exist right now in in certain key nodes within the country not everywhere but but in in big chunks of the urban areas in the country so that means that your growth expectation needs to be tempered quite significantly um, for organic growth in the listed property market. Mm-hmm. Um, and and naturally, that means your yield needs to rise because, like yeah. you say, you can do 12% in a bond. So um, if you're only going to be doing a long-term growth of maybe 3.5% um, to 4.5% in listed property organic growth, um, then where does your, your property yield need to be? Naturally, it needs to be right up at 12 13% because you need to earn an equity risk premium over and above the bond, yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, in normal periods. So, so that, again, that points to the fact that, you know, uh, yes, the yields look, look high in absolute terms, but once we control for growth dynamics and once we control for leverage um, and the state of supply, uh, you know, it, it, it's pretty easy to justify the valuation.
1: Gotcha. You mentioned LTVs. And as you were saying that, I was thinking back to Mm. the sort of 2017, 2018, when when this sector peaked, I mean, ahead of the pandemic, when LTVs were high, when when premiums to NAV, Mm. when yields were low, LTVs at around 40%. I mean, there's there's two tricks here. The one is, of course, a loan to value. And well, is that value, to your point, stale, which is 40% because intuitively, it looks better. Do you think it's good enough?
4: Uh, no, I don't think it's good enough. I think in certain sectors it's not good enough. Um, uh, keep in mind that in, in many instances, um, the banking sector so will, will you know will extend loans to to listed property companies mm-hmm. with covenants attached to them. Yeah, yeah. So in some cases, those covenants are as low as a fifty percent LTV or a fifty-five percent LTV, meaning if you cross this threshold, um, we're going to take control mm-hmm. of the cash flows coming in and out of the business. Uh, effectively speaking, and so you're actually quite vulnerable to um, impairments on the value of the properties uh, when you're sitting at a 40 to 45% LTB like some of the REITs are. Um, you know, a 20% or 30% impairment, which I've argued is not out of the realm of possibility. It's quite plausible, actually. Mm. You know, that kind of thing leaves you very uncomfortably close, if not in breach, of existing covenants, um, and so it's not enough of a safety net if you go through enough cycles with a 40 to 45 percent ltv at some point you're going to cross those covenants and you're going to cause a liquidity crisis in the business which causes a uh, ultimately the market's going to abandon you the equity market yeah. which we saw yeah. yeah um and so and so that's that that's why it's kind of uh i, I think flying too close to the sun mm-hmm. um something closer to 30 percent for me is more sustainable especially in in the current condition, that's not to say there are subsectors within property sure. that are not, you know, just, uh, struggling with this um, kind of deflationary dynamic. Obviously, there are sectors like storage. Um, there are also sectors like um, logistics to some extent that are not that are not in a state of oversupply, generally speaking. And so there, you may be more comfortable with higher LTVs, but because they're generally in an inflationary state. But in office and retail, I I, um, I think as an equity investor, you should be quite vigilant about making sure that the balance sheet of the underlying business that you're investing in is, is quite conservative.
1: I take your point, absolutely. And I, I yeah, LTV at 40 is better, but maybe not good, perhaps is the point. We'll leave that there. That's Daniel King, Head of Fixed Income, Merchant West Investments. Appreciate the early morning. And that's our poll today on uh, LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. Are you seeing value? I mean, on the surface, there certainly is value in the sector. But as Daniel says there, when you start to scratch, mm, we've got to be a little more selective. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn,
3: Twitter. Your money knows that reaching new heights means turbulence. But what if you don't have to feel it? Our partnership with J.P. Morgan Asset Management gives you access to a broad range of global strategies. So when you invest in Stanlib's global multi-strategy diversified growth fund, your money can withstand the ups and downs caused by market fluctuations. Seek more returns at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. MoneyWeb now on The Money.
1: Training now, I'm uh, Mitchin Adams, Adam, CEO and founder of Aeon's Creative Technology. Mitch I appreciate your time and on the show again, talking around when to start investing. I think a lot of us think, well, when I get my first job, I'll start then or maybe I'll settle in and, and, and start even a little bit later. You make the point that if you can, and there's a you know, caveat to that, if you can, starting while you're still a student is perhaps is undoubtedly the best time. You've got a ton of time on your side. You might not have a ton of cash, but you've got a ton of time.
0: Hundred percent, Simon. And thanks for having me again. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much time, and uh, and also, the risk is very low for you. You don't really have kids. You don't mm-hmm. have responsibilities. So take the risk while you can.
1: And, and what we are seeing here, I mean, is is the Generation Z, which is those sort of born after after two thousand, which is most of the folks who are going to be on our on our campuses these days. That, that they they very much, my sense is, they're wanting to do what has been colloquially called impact investing, and, and and that's really where Aaron's Creative Technology comes in, where where you can go and invest and get a sense that you're you're growing the nation, you're reducing unemployment and the like, and and, and get, you know really get into the into the 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 growth aspect of investing rather than just, well, let's go make some profit.
0: 100%. Uh, I think a lot of guys do have that conceptually right. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at where they're actually investing, it's in Bitcoin. <laughs> so there, <laughs> there is a, a level of uh, a want to grow money mm-hmm. uh, and also high-risk appetite. But, yes, the, because of the Internet, they are a lot more aware of the... The problems that we have in the world as well as in south africa and uh yeah that's exactly what we're doing we're we trying to create jobs by making more sustainable businesses and in doing so, we're offering more services to the community and hopefully growing a bigger consumer market.
1: Do you find that most of your, your, your clients on Aeons are, are sort of the generation Z? I was looking at some of the, the, the videos this morning, and it's it seems so much more personable. Yeah, I can go and invest in Woolies. That's fine. But, you know, and I get every mm. six months, I get my my results and I get a dividend deposited in my account. There's very little link between me and Willy's Beyond when I go and shop there. The, this sort of seems very much more, I can see the founders, they look like real people, I, I it, they're much more personable.
0: 100% and a lot less complicated. True. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you're going to go invest online, you're going to have to get a broker in between, there's admin fees, uh, candlesticks, <laughs> <laughs> and you, you literally need an economics degree to do that. And if you're still studying economics, you don't actually know that. So, what they used to is social media, you know, uh, some sort of a feed that just tells them good news about mm-hmm. a company and what they're doing. That's what they look for. And uh, that's essentially what our platform does. Gives them the information they need to know mm-hmm. um, in order to get them excited about something. Gives them a sense of ownership. And we take on... I guess the management aspect to try and mitigate the risk for them.
1: And, and then do you find as well, because again, you know, you can go from what, 50 odd bucks, you can keep it really small. Is that a big attraction mm-hmm. for 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 the Gen Z, which I suppose, A, as a student, you've, you've simply got less bucks in your pocket, but also B, you can spread it around yes. a little bit more.
0: You can, and it is because we're doing fractional ownership. Mm-hmm. You can start at 50 and you can go up a bit higher if you want. Uh, I feel some guys, they're trying to test out this model. So they put in 50, but the less you put in, the less reward. Uh, It's very different to savings. So you can just put it in once Mm -hmm. and then leave it and let it grow. Uh, Whereas savings, you have to keep putting it in every single month. I think if you took that approach of a savings uh, aspect, where you put in that 50 every month, because you can't afford the 50, Mm. you'll find at the end of the year, this stacks up to something decent, which then gives you a much bigger return.
1: I take your point on that. If, you, if you're doing it slowly, then, then, then again, use that time, which is when, you, when you're a student, you've got time in abundance. Mitch and Adam, CEO, founder, AONS Creative Technology. Appreciate the early morning.
4: MoneyWeb at Midday is South Africa's fastest paced audio news and current affairs show. Give me 30 minutes and I'll give you the country and the world. This is what you missed. We must always remember that the debt was entered into between Sanral and the Department of Transport, who are, by the way, very silent on this because everyone is doing the talking, when it's actual debt that Sanral entered into when they built these roads and decided uh, through the Sanral Act to introduce tolling on Gauteng's roads. These are their roads. And we've also said, why is Khateng paying for and agreeing to maintain Sanral's roads? They're not on Khateng's assets register.
1: Live at noon weekdays and then up as a podcast on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb at Midday with me, Jeremy Maggs, when you need relevant news quickly in your own time. That's it for today. Yesterday, we were chatting with uh, Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss. We were talking the Sassel results, almost $6 billion in impairments. We asked Gary if there was value in Sassel. He said, yeah, he thought there probably was. Uh, we asked you if there was value in Sassel. And almost two-thirds of you agreed with Gary and said, yeah, you thought that there was. A quarter said there are better options offshore. The rest saying, eh, not, le- not yet. And this has got a long way to go still. Have your vote. Have your say. LinkedIn and Twitter. This show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We're live every weekday morning on the MoneyWeb website and the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7.00. Thanks to my team, Eddie, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their time. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again tomorrow. Cash results.
0: You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7am on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now, on the money.